You are listening to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien. In healthcare, we have so many questions about what's trending versus what's actually the truth. So on this show, we're going to get to the bottom of it. It's health, it's wellness, it's beauty, explained by the people who actually know what they're talking about. Hey guys, welcome back to the Dabble Cup Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien. And today I have a guest on who I had literally been texting with for like a year, um, trying to right. just like coordinate, getting her going. I know, I was like, sorry, but we're it's now or never. But like <laughs> took some breaks, we moved, couldn't get her on, just couldn't coordinate. And I'm, I'm so thrilled to have this conversation. So today I have Carla Adkins. Carla is uh, 47 now. But what we're going to mm-hmm. talk about is about 10 years ago, essentially her life fell apart, almost mm-hmm. died, almost lost right. her liver, mm-hmm. just from essentially get to getting into the mom wine culture. And one thing leads to another. So thank you for being here and being vulnerable and sharing. And honestly, this is a such an important conversation. And I'm just, I'm thrilled that you're willing to have the conversation. So thank you for being here. Well, thank you again. And again, so glad I finally get to meet you. We've been talking on the side quite a bit, yes. but to actually be here. And I love having this conversation. And and just the fact that I can say that alone, um, Claire, I want you to know, um, almost 10 years ago, I was not able to have this conversation at all. So yeah. there's been a lot of work and growth, but what's really hit me in, in my journey of being alcohol-free, September will of 2024 will officially be my 10 years of being alcohol free. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's just been so much change, exciting change, one in society. That's why it's important for us to have this conversation because there is movement and growth around this topic, which really needed yep. to happen. It awesome. needed to happen because what's happening in our world and our society and our culture and impacting people's health. And that's so in our face now that we really need to be having this conversation. So will you just kind of walk everybody through like what I think we all have this picture in our minds of like an alcoholic is this 55 year old white man like that has some sort of blue collar job and they're drinking on the job and then they just get into alcoholism and like the reality, clearly that was not you, you know, like it's so much more common than we think, but how, how did you, how did you get there? Right. And, and again, and I, I love to share because I think my story, you know, a lot of people can relate to and, and how I describe it in my book. And one of my favorite um, illustrations in my book is exactly what you just talked about is the picture of what we have Mm -hmm. in our mind of what we think of the person that struggles with alcohol or has alcohol use disorder, but what that reality can actually look like. And, um, and it's what stopped me for years from actually reaching out and getting help because I really bumped up against that word. It's why I really don't even use the word alcoholic a lot. And we can talk about that. It is because I just, it's like this line in the sand. I was like, well, I need to do this and I need to do that, but I'm not that. Not an alcoholic. I'm not that word. Not an alcoholic. No, not any of that. And, you know, because let's face it, that word carries a lot of weight with it. Scary. And, um, you know, and a lot of stigmas. And I just didn't identify with that 
title or word or whatever you want to say. But how it really started for me is, and I share and talk about my anxiety. I really struggled with anxiety starting in high school. Um, had my first panic attacks, you name it, like kind of stepped into this world of anxiety. And I didn't know what to do with that feeling. Got worse in college. And that in college, I went, I, that's when I can really see my relationship with alcohol taking a turn and me really yeah. starting to give it a job. And I like yeah. to describe it as that because I think people can say, okay, well, I use it to do this or I use it to do that. And for me, I really gave alcohol this job to help me feel calm, help me feel confident socially, um, yeah. help me. I thought that it made me this person that I wanted it, I wanted to be. And what I didn't realize was then, you know, when we give them give alcohol a role, you know, some people say self-medicating. Um, whatever works yeah. for you, whenever we do that, um, we're really letting, we're forgetting that this is a highly addictive substance and Deadly. we're really training, right? Very. And we're training our body and brain to get attached. And so whenever I felt anxious, there was this cue like, oh, I know what works. I'm going to go to this tool and go straight to my toolbox and, yeah. and use alcohol. And I thought it worked well. And what we say all the time, it did. Initially, I was like, man, I've got this tool and it works well and everybody does it and I fit in. I'm in college. It's normal mm -hmm. to drink. Yeah. Very abnormal to not drink. My goodness, you're in college. You're supposed to drink. And realizing after that, I remember I'm in how I describe it is it just really started to occupy a lot of brain space for me um, where I really was. I mean, I, I, I think I was worrying then about my relationship with alcohol. I think again, because I was worried I had been told, you know, that alcoholism runs in our family. So be careful because you don't want to be one of those. And that yeah. kind of haunted me in the back of my head. I'm like, well, I'll do whatever. I'm just going to make sure I keep it together. I'll control it. I'll moderate it. And um, just do me because alcohol works for me. And it helps me. It helps me with my anxiety. Then fast forward some years. I you know, was professional. I did pharmaceutical sales for a long time. Again, where I was at that time, it was a very, could be very, very boozy environment. Very heavy drinking you know, culture, it, I was going to say. Like any yes. kind of sales. I, I think about that. I think about that all the time with like rep dinners, who I, which I, I love because I don't have to do it all the time. But I, I'm like, how do they right. do this? Like, <laughs> this is their right. literal job. And it's got to be a lot. It's just, it's a lot. It's just part of it, you know? And again, yeah. it's so, we live... Clarence, just such a, it's attached to everything and, and, and to everywhere because I'll coach and I'll work with people and they're like, oh, but you don't know where I live. It's everywhere. And I get that. But if you think we could really yep. each and every yep. one of us yep. say that, you know, where I live, you know, I live in a little small beach town on the East coast of South Carolina. It, it totally. is everywhere. It's at we're, all events, but I think yeah. you could probably say the same about where exactly. you live. No, yeah, for sure. People drink, they go. Yeah. And so it's a, it's so weaved in into our culture. And, and so for me, it was, you know, this constant excuse. It was this constant thing. Well, I, you know, I'm doing it for work. 
And also the putting off, I, I could see, I could look back on myself then and really it was like this timetable. I'm like, oh, I'll fix it after this event. I've got this coming up. I'm gonna- Gotta be able to drink. I'll work on it then. Right, gotta be able to drink for the wedding. Yeah. I gotta be able to work it. Not gonna do it during the holidays. Are you kidding me? You know, so it, you know, there was just this timeline that I kept pushing it off. And also, you know, at the time of this recording, you know, it's January where a lot of people are doing dry, dry January. Back then it wasn't that big or I wasn't paying attention to it. I remember giving alcohol No, up, that's new. Um, I don't think this has been this, uh, like around forever. Yeah. I think dry January is the last like, I don't know, maybe five it's years or a so? A few years. Yeah. yeah just a, it's recent. But I would give it up for Lent. And that to me was kind of my okay. teaser. Uh, well, you know what? I don't have a problem. Because I can, you know, I gave it up for Lent and, you know, was able to, you know, get through that. Obviously, it was really hard. But I will say, I remember then what, like, another, the next Lent that came up, I was like, oh, I'm giving up red wine. But then I would switch to white mm, and make myself right. feel better. So I started to, you know, um, switch up the rules a little bit. And manipulate I think yeah. um, rules can, I mean, people can identify with this also. It's like, okay, I'm only going to drink on the weekends. I'm only going to drink, you know, I'm not going to drink alone. I'm not going to drink. I tried all those rules, you know, and mm -hmm. I started trying to, and that was just a part of me like was really trying to control what was happening when right. truly, I mean, it, I, I had no idea. I hadn't, I, I didn't know what I was getting into. Another thing I like to share is because many people, because I did get so sick, they were, you know, were there, what were the warning signs? What happened? And yeah. um, for me, my yeah, anxiety. Yeah, because also like, what's happened? Were you like drinking in the morning? I, I just, it's like, I think so many people can identify with these like rules and I, and these little, um, there's like five questions. What is the cage questionnaire? And I feel like there's the cage questionnaire that you're supposed to ask in primary care and it's like, okay, right. if you answer how many, I don't even know, two, three out of five, and it's like, you have a problem with alcohol. And I remember I'd always be like, yeah, I could say yes to those, like, those questions. Right. And, and I, again, I think we're like, oh, well, I don't wake up in the morning and, like, have a glass of vodka. So, like, I'm not an alcoholic, right. you know? Right. And it starts shifting. And that's where, you know, because, again, and I, I love to have this conversation because I think, obviously, we'll be stepping into you know, my, my healthcare providers at the end of my story were two of the most beautiful women that really helped save my life. And so I have such a, oh, I just, and I, yeah. it's a very special relationship and, um, because yeah. they believed in me and I think, and that's, it, it was a very difficult time, but we've had many conversations since then of, you know, I, how healthcare providers are really put in a difficult position because, you know, you've got these questionnaires that you ask people and most of the time, you know, people are not being honest um, with the amount of drinking that they're yep. doing. Um, you know, I've heard some healthcare providers say, well, I, that they say they drink this many, then I tack on, you know, triple a certain it. amount the, and then the add it. Triple like, it. Right. Yeah. And, right. So that's what I thought there was. Okay. So it's like, what are we doing wrong? And I heard someone say this and it really would have stopped me in my tracks. Um, it's getting away from those questions and really starting to ask patients, when was the last okay. time you took a significant break from alcohol? Um, you know, and just that, 
alone. Yeah. Um, what was your drinking really pattern kind of, like? Like what I, you know, like what well, what did it look like day to day for you at that point? Because I think that was what was well, shocking to me point, is like how little it was, or, or right, I thought, you know. Well, I think the thing is that it definitely shifted into, and it had been daily drinking for a while, you know, uh-huh. and in the amount, and I think that because I I even say in my book, I'm like when people ask me the amount, I always want to tiptoe a little bit lightly around that for two reasons. The only one, I really don't know the amount because I was honestly hiding it for myself at this point. Like I didn't want to know what I was drinking Um, and the amount. I just remember um, shifting. I mean, I like where like the small bottles of wine really became a joke and shifting to like a bigger bottle of wine and like, like, the progression, like the next day seeing yeah. that bigger bottle of wine and how much was gone of that. And like, then and we talk a lot, a lot of coaches and people that I do coach, we talk, and then I would shift then because I didn't like what I was seeing about how much wine I could drink. So that's when I switched and I would, all of a sudden I was drinking vodka and I, that mm-hmm. was my drink. And yeah. I would make the spin on it for myself of, Oh, because, you know, it's lower in calories and I will, you right. know, what, when I was not I get being headaches, truthful, whatever. Right. Right. And, um, and, and when it truly, there was a switch for a reason and it was because I was requiring more and that was, you know, again, I think it's important, but also what I learned was there is no magical number, right? There's no magical number. And, um, that's where the doctors really helped me figure out that Dr. Loretta Jofflin was my initial doctor when I first got really sick. And she really did a great education for me because it was like, how can I be here? How can I be in this position? You know, no doctors ever told me to stop drinking. I've never had, I've never gotten sick. And all of a sudden um, my life was on the line. And, you know, she was really sharing with me. She's like, I can't, I can get so frustrated. I could see someone like you, you're the first time presenting, you know, to me. And, you know, we don't know if we can save your life. Then I've got someone that, you know, is basically pickling themselves and they're getting along, you know, they're just kind of scooting along, living life, obviously not well, but it's, they can't, there's no kind of magic number there. And so I, you know, I always want to tell people, I can't give you a number of what it looked like now had alcohol, alcohol was definitely, it was my go-to. Um, it was my go-to every night. Um, the weekends, it was definitely during the day, you know, some days it would just get earlier. There's, so I don't want to act like I wasn't drinking too much. (laughs) That Well, and I think this is important too. So the number is different for men and women. First of all, and like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm gonna give you just some general cancer risk factors because I don't, I like that's more my world than le- like let's say liver right. disease, which is where we're gonna go with your story. But so, like if you look up the statistics for you know head and neck cancer, esophageal cancer, whatever it is, breast cancer, tongue cancer, colon cancer, all of it, basically all the major cancers are associated with alcohol. You'll see these st- stats that are like you know moderate to heavy drinking is associated with blah, 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 increase in colorectal cancer. 
most people are like, oh, well, I'm not a moderate to heavy, you know, I'm a heavy drinker. Like, gosh, mm -hmm. for women to be characterized as a heavy drinker is one to two drinks per day. And I know most women are drinking one to two drinks per day, at least in this cultural society that we're in now, because we yeah. also don't realize like a glass of wine is likely, that's really servings, right? So a glass of, a serving of wine, I think is like four ounces, maybe like it's absurd. It's such a small amount. Right. One cup, like a cup measuring cup. So if you're trying to gauge what this is in your brain, like a measuring cup is, is eight ounces, right? So if you pour yourself a glass of wine and wine glasses are getting beautiful and bigger and stemless and all of a sudden, you know, you're likely pouring eight to 10 ounces. Like if you go to a restaurant, you're getting an eight ounce pour. And the, the options are like six, nine and 12 ounces, let's say if you're having options. But so like for a woman, if you're drinking, a, I'm using like air quotes, if you're drinking a glass of wine every night, you're probably drinking two servings every night. You are now a heavy drinker and you don't right. even know it. No, and that is what we have to talk about because that goes back clear to the initial picture that you were talking about. If you said heavy drinker, that in someone's mind, it was yeah. in my mind too. I was yeah. not who I thought. It's why I avoided it for so long. That is the person they can't keep a job. They're getting DUIs. You know, they're right. they're right. you know they're they they're not functioning well in society or they're not doing well, and that is just not the truth. And yeah. you know. And it's why it's so important that you and I are sitting down and we have these conversations and we open up the doors. And and again, for me, I do love that they've switched medically to using alcohol use disorder instead of alcoholic. And I that's a personal thing. It's a very it's a personal preference. For me, yeah. I don't use it because I it was such a barrier to me. Understanding that you because I was like, so trying to avoiding yeah. that word. Yeah. Right. Instead of saying, Carla, how is alcohol serving you? It is, well, I'm not an alcoholic. And, you know, it's, it's, and that is very, very common in people yeah. that I have coached and family members that are talking about their family members, like, but they're yeah. not an alcoholic. And I'm like, let's just, what if we just remove that word? Um, why I want to step light is because that is a personal preference. Some people that have stepped away from alcohol, if that is really, they hang on, they, they, like and need that word because that fits for them. What I would love to see at the end of the day is just the change in the narrative. Um, sure. And that, you know, again, it's not so, cause it's not so black and white. And the reason why, you know, I started telling my story so publicly is because of, I think it was really the pandemic that really, it just was heavy on my heart oh, seeing, yes. oh my Everybody. gosh, the shift yeah. And the memes, oh my gosh, the, and it was just all of a sudden, listen, you're under stress. It's okay. It's five o'clock somewhere. Um, it is, and drinking was just everywhere and acceptable, you know, because you weren't, and then people that were really kind of teetering on, you know, they're doing okay, yes. slipped very quickly into not doing okay because all of a sudden they, the rules were gone, Claire. They, Absolutely. They, there was no more of the, okay, well, when I get home from work, you were right. staying no, home. Kind of that accountability of like your job or whatever. Yeah. No, oh, no. I mean, I lost right. two friends from college that that absolutely ha were had always kind of been teetering on the edge and then 
COVID without the, you know, accountability of a job and the schedule and all that. It's like, it just, it just pushed him into the abyss. And I, I don't know if you know my friend Sally Holder. She was on my podcast last week, actually, but I love the way what you're saying is the way that I've Sally, met her. Have, she's a delight, but, but so Sally quit drinking a yeah. few years ago and she always explains it in that way. She's like, it just, it was not serving me in my life. And I didn't have mm-hmm the control over it and myself and my life when I I realized I didn't have that control when I was drinking versus, you know, without it. And it's like, so, but I, but I also, I do, I see and and recognize how sometimes for people naming it and I, you know, if you're going through the AA, like all that, I, I, I get, I mean, there's definitely purposes for, for both, but just asking yourself, is this making my life better? You know, maybe the answer is yes for you. I don't know. I can't, (laughs) but Probably not. I know. I think if we talk then, you know, we really looked at it. I think the key here is though, people have no idea how life could be without it. I did not know that. I, there's a reason why, because I saw alcohol free life as like this dreadful, speaking of like one day at a time, that whole thing. I'm like, who wants to do that? You know, that sounds miserable. Well, and, let's talk about that first. You know, I want to know, how, like, tell me how you, you're about your sickness. And then I want to, like, I let's mm-hmm. in the end talk about, like, uh, what it looks like to live alcohol free. Because I do think that's a terrifying prospect of, like, even when I go into Whole30 right. January where you're kind of talking about this and I'm like, well, I guess I can't hang out with anybody because I can't drink, you know? It's right. Like, why do I think right. that? Why do, why do I think that? I don't know. But, okay, so tell well, that's talk about when you got trained. sick. Yeah, so we'll like, get there. What happened? Yes. What did that, what look, did that like? look like? Yes. Yes. And and for me, people definitely ask, like, well, weren't you feeling bad? Surely it it you were feeling bad leading up to it. And I just need people to understand, you know, for me, my world and um stress, anxiety, those kind of things were very physical. I took on very physically anyway. I didn't know what it was like to feel good anymore. And the two were so intertwined. I didn't know what was what. I was always blaming um, not feeling well. This is the lead up to my liver shutting down to my anxiety and um, and stress. When, um, you know, looking back, there was definitely um, the signs of just like GI issues yeah, again, can always look like anything. I was tired, really getting sleepy yeah. in the afternoons. I think, obviously, looking back, I knew that I was drinking entirely too much because um, I remember, I'll never forget, I started to look like when I would get in my car to go to work, I would like look in the rearview mirror and look at my eyes. I would always look at my eyes and just see, are my eyes, because you? I always like knew. How I bloodshot are my that, eyes today? <laughs> Right. Or is there turning yellow? Like I was, like I was scared of my drinking. And I say that specifically because I said that openly in a group one time that I was coaching and the amount of messages that I got from people doing the exact same thing. It's just because really our subconscious, we know like, okay, I don't like, I don't like how I'm drinking. I don't like this. And I'll just never forget the day that I looked in, I think I was just kind of laughable. I'm like, okay, I'm never going to see it. And the day that I looked and, um, it was there and I could see the yellow and, wow. um, which means that your liver was, is not working. If anybody's listening, cause you're not properly excreting right. what you, your liver is what naturally detoxes us. And so your literally body is holding onto the toxins and it, 
you you literally start to turn yellow. But the first place you typically see it is in the whites of your eyes. But it's so it's so wild to me. I think as a medical provider because that's it's so obvious. You're like, wait a second, your eyes were turning yellow, and you just like kept on rolling with it. But right. there's so many things but that people don't realize how I that saw is. it, and it was. No. And then when I, I want to say the time frame of me seeing yellow and um, was like a day later was when everything shut down. So I wasn't like walking around going, oh gosh, there's okay. the yellow. And then what am I going to do? This was a very like boom, boom. Like I went from going to work on a Sunday to my body just shutting down Shut on. Down. So working on a Friday, Sunday, I was in the hospital And it was truly like my body just said, I can't do this anymore. And so it was very, it was acute and it happened very quickly. And again, I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, like all of the plates started falling because again, I was trying to control everything. I'll fix it later. I'll fix it later. And all of a sudden that was not an option, you know, for me anymore. And the amount of shame and horror that I felt when it's just all of a sudden my narrative was being taken from me and looking and seeing my body literally fail. So it went quickly from that, oh my gosh, what am I going to do to me again, being hospitalized and them obviously then being drilled and questioned about my drinking. And this is where I've had some, you know, obviously beautiful conversations with Dr. Jofflin, who was the doctor at the Medical University of South Carolina at the time. Mm -hmm. She was in the hepatology department. She remembers standing there because I think she was a resident. So she was one of the ones following the the hepatologist in. And she was like, I just remember watching you. And it was like, they kept hammering these questions and you just kept shrinking back. Like how many drinks per day? How many drinks per day? How many? And I was just, again, there was so much shame. I didn't know how to answer that question. And, um, and that's where we talked. She's like, I really like, I now she, as a provider, she doesn't, you know, it's like how, you know, we really think alcohol, if she could have changed the way she said it and just said, we really think alcohol really is played a role in this, what that conversation would have looked like in the difference. I want to tell you guys about my favorite supplement company, Thorn. Our family personally uses several of their products. So I use their collagen in the morning, and then I use a few things that were recommended by my headache doctors. The reason we use Thorn is they are so high quality, highly tested. They don't have fillers like so many other supplement companies do. They have partnerships with hospitals and organizations all over the country, like Mayo Clinic, Medical University of South Carolina, the UFC, huge athletic organizations. So if you are looking for high quality supplements, I always recommend Thorn. You can get 15% off any Thorn products by going to Thorn, that's Thorn with an E, thorn.com slash U slash Dabbleco. Create an account and you'll get 15% off and free shipping every time. I'll put that link in the show notes. Okay, I have a lot of healthcare providers who listen. So let's t- yes. how would you how would you have best received that from a provider? Just like that. I think actually Dr. Jofflin wrote the foreword of my book and it was just um it's beautiful and um Dr. Allen who was my doctor yeah. at um the end she was my doctor 
at the end of my journey, I should say not end a journey because it literally was, but to getting better. So yeah. she wrote the afterword of my book. And Dr. Jofflin, she said, I was trained to not do what I did with you because she continued with me as my physician. And what she did was get personal. Instead of, she calls it, you know, and she yeah. said, we, I think Brene Brown has also coined the term therapeutic empathy, where okay. she sat with me and just connected with me. And, um, you know, just to give you a, a kind of overhead look of what happened to me very quickly, because there's healthcare providers that are listening because they're like, wait a minute, what happened next? And so basically they were trying to figure out, they were trying to get me as healthy as they could. They had me leave the hospital after that initial thing and the promise that I would get blood work in the next few days so they could just see what was happening with my liver. Mm -hmm. um, I um, have never felt so physically bad in my life and I'll never forget. I did, you know, have my friend took me to get the blood work. This is you know, just a few days, hospital Sunday, probably then, you know, blood work later that week because I was in the hospital for at least two days. And then I'll never forget getting the phone call and I was in kind of this hazy sleep. And obviously my blood work had come in. And mm -hmm. I know that now that y'all get critical results when things are not going good for someone. Yeah. And this part of my story always makes me so emotional because I just want people to know, like, it really was that quick really felt like, I mean, now looking back, yeah, oh my gosh, my life was a mess, but it was not in the mess that people think, you know, I had friendships. I had, you know, Great I job. was in a relationship. I had a, I was working, actively working, yeah. you know? So it, I just couldn't believe that this was happening to me. And I recognized the first three numbers as a Charleston, South Carolina number. So I picked it up just in hopes, you know, thinking it was one of the doctors and it was Dr. Jocelyn. And she said, Ms. you know, my last name then was Kephart. And she said, are you okay? And I said, no, um, I, I think I'm, I feel like I'm dying. I think I'm dying is what I said. And she said, I think you are too. And that, yeah. again, that makes me emotional whenever I say it, because they could tell from my numbers. I mean, obviously things were going south and fast. And I remember just my breath being taken away. like. This can't be happening. I am 36 so, years old, you know. Had, was that when um, you quit? Like, had you stopped drinking? You got admitted to the hospital. And then was it like that was the last drink you ever had? Or did you go home? Like, how did that part work? Because it's so also very so, difficult again, to just stop drinking. You can't just do that. You'll die. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. I had been in the hospital for two days and then was home. So from that point on, from like... I was not drinking in that, but this okay. is just that week, for example. Uh -huh. um, and I then was hospitalized. So basically she, from that phone call and that blood work, she was saying back. either to the, oh yeah. She said, I'm either, either you have to take, someone has to bring you now, or I'm going to send an ambulance to you. And that oh. was another whammy. Again, it's just this, me realizing this is happening. This is, I, and the slip of control. And I think I want people to hear that for the people that are, are struggling because you keep trying to control that story. And at, there's times when then it is going to be taken from you and you no longer have 
control over control. that narrative anymore. And it's one of the scariest situations. Um, again, like I said, it's this many years out still makes me um, tear up just because of that moment and how, um, how scary it was. And from that moment on, I went back to the hospital. And at that point, it was just touch and go. Again, that's what I want people to hear is that it was out of control then what happened because things were so bad. They were just waiting to see if my liver kicked back and could start working again. So yeah. it was a waiting game. And and I, I stress this just because, you know, there's so many people out there and that's why I'm sharing my story. And it's why, you know, because what I saw happen during COVID is that people are dying and it's young people and young women are specifically on the rise of yeah. people that are getting um, liver disease. And, and also because I've had someone, you know, in my life that um, I tried to coach and she was, she was me, we were no different, you know, uh, but yeah. I could see myself in her and, you know, same thing happened, but she did not make it. The liver did mm. not start back. You know, she did not have that chance and she is gone. And um, it's a very real thing. And I just need yeah. people to know that. I don't say that as a scare tactic, but it is. This is yeah, alcohol yeah. killing people. And and for me, what that looked like is then hospital for a long time. Obviously, my body just morphed into a completely different thing. I, I just was the yellowish green. My whole body, again, like you said, I learned quickly what the that how important the liver is um, to the body and everything that it does. Right. Um, and thank goodness, um, my liver started showing signs of improving. And so we left, they, I left the hospital, um, after I think it was almost two weeks of being in the hospital and, um, and, and Dr. Jocelyn writes this in her foreword as well, because, you know, of course I left with this tension of never drinking again, you know, oh my gosh, I, that would never happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Knowing what I know now, I had zero tools to be able to actually do that. I, yeah. I, I had no tools to be able to do that. And she talks about that in her forward. Like, how are we sending these people out into the world? You know, we're saying, okay, guess what? Better not. You can't do that anymore. But not knowing what I had done at that point is I had trained my brain, like just that, you know, the neuro pathways, everything in my life. I thought and my body thought that alcohol was the thing that helped. Yeah. Um, so for me, looking back now, I could tell you it was just a matter of time before I drank again to the world that would look like absolute insanity. Like, what do you mean? You right. almost died and then you're going to drink again. That's where the that's shame what, comes that's in. What addiction. You know? That's what addiction does. Mm -hmm. you, you can't. Right. Argue with that. And you know? I think that's where people like shifting to understand it's not a strength thing. It's not a, I think that was the powerful thing. And, and we'll touch on this of just how I learned to walk away from it was very different than traditional methods. I had tried AA before yeah. and for me personally, it just did not, it didn't land. The, the disease thing didn't land. I, I just... Again, it was so important because I did go back and drink. And again, I, I can look back now and tell exactly what happened. I started quickly, you know, after I had been alcohol free for, you know, quite some time, 
um, just started romanticizing about it. And that's where it started. It was like, well, you know what, now that I haven't had, you know, alcohol for this amount of time, I'm sure now I can moderate. So did you start and it's drinking just, again? Wait. Again, because it, because my body believed that it was this amazing thing. And I didn't realize so that. I, I thought that was it. No, no. It's the hardest chapter to write in my story of when I, I went back. And um, this is where um, Dr. Allen came in to the picture. It's Dr. Allen, by the way, my um, dear friend, business partner, co-founder, yes. all, if, for people that know her. I mean, she is a, an earth angel. So I'm not surprised that she's she a part of your story. So, Oh, she's that's how a game you, changer. And I... <laughs> Yes. And I met her through work because again, I'm going right back at work. I'm going to work and met um, Dr. Allen. She was a new physician to the area. And, and again, and when I tell you, Claire, when I, I started back drinking, um, of course, convinced myself that it was fine and that I could moderate it. And it was probably one of the slipperiest slopes I've ever stepped on in my life quickly went from that, you know, one glass of wine that I had dreamed about right, right back to where I was. I knew quickly that I was not doing well physically. And it was actually, um, I'll never forget. I, cause part, I worked for a hospital and so I would, my job was to go in and network physicians to each other. So it wasn't abnormal for me to go into a doctor's office and talk to them. And, um, that's where she, I said, I just knowing her and meeting her, she was just this fireball and like firecracker, brilliant woman. And I said, I'm going to go in there. I know she's going to know something's wrong. And I needed somebody to step in at that moment because I just didn't know how to do it for myself. Um, and she could take one look at me and knew that something was wrong. And so I was quickly then hospitalized again. And this is the time that I taught, I just look and I describe it in my book. It was just like, I, I was at a fork in the road and it was truly, it was, you can go left or you can go right. And for me, I knew left was death and right. I needed to figure this out, but it was the how. And this is where Dr. Jofflin, one, I have to just speak of one, the amazing communication. Dr. Ellen mm -hmm. um, knew how it's like I wanted to dig a hole in the ground rather than see Dr. Jocelyn because I was so ashamed. I mean, how could I look at her? You know, she had been this great physician to me. And then I went back to drinking. I mean, I was mortified. Yeah. And um, so Dr. Allen knew that and she gave her a call. And so Dr. Jocelyn came to see me. And that was where she, I had talked about that therapeutic empathy where she really decided that day because she knew, yeah. she knew my fate if I, went down this road and she just made it so real. Like we talked about earlier, you know, about, you know, her family, her life, um, mm. what she saw alcohol do, what she saw, how alcohol in her own life and how she gave me hope. And there was just something about that. She shared with me that she didn't drink. And there was just something about seeing this young, professional, vibrant person that clearly lives life that she didn't drink. And I was like, it just, there was a shift. And I remember laying there thinking, I want to give someone that feeling one day and knowing that I can do this and I have to. It's also what made yeah. me, thank goodness, I once again did make it out of the hospital that time. 
Um, but to me, then there was just this sense of urgency for me of how am I going to make this work and how, how can I do this? Because I've tried AA and it's just, I feel like I'm not doing myself a service if I go that route again, knowing that I've tried it and it just is not for me. And that's where I just started doing research. I started doing like, I don't, I don't identify as an alcoholic. Am I the only one? Mm -hmm. Like I was still fighting against that word. I didn't want to be this person that like, oh, Carla, just admit what you are. All right. I, I, I wasn't trying to do that. I wanted desperately to find another me out there. I was like, okay, I can't be alone. That's where I found this naked mind. And um, right then it's a, it was the podcast, this naked mind. Then there's um, the book, this the naked book, mind. Yeah. I was telling Carl, I'm art, my mm -hmm. um, therapist in Nashville who I'm obsessed with, um, just recommended that I read that because it's, a, yeah, well, and I haven't read it yet. So. But I was like, oh, have you heard of this yes. book? And she's like, yes. I was like, one of their coaches. So like, oh, it's supposed yes. to be really good. Well, so I, maybe I should read it. It's it's very good. And I think what it does, what the, that book does a beautiful job of doing is taking us, taking everybody in. And it's like, okay, I could see myself. We need to be able to see ourselves in someone in order for it to really go, okay, that makes sense to me. And she talked about her life and young professional and, and really, you know, doing very well successfully. And then what alcohol did for her. And then she took off and she was like, okay, kind of like me, I need to know what happened to me. Like what happened? And I need it to make sense. And um, so, you know, there was a lot of talk about the brain and those neural pathways and understanding. Right. And so for me, finally learning that science to explain what happened, I needed to understand how yeah. in the world did I go How'd back to drinking? How did I get there? And um, and so when I understood what happened, I finally like it clicked. It made sense. The whole, everything made sense. I was like, that's why I was just, again, a matter of time before I did, I needed to understand what alcohol had done. And it wasn't like, okay, Carly, you're just different. You are made different. You're cut from a different cloth and you have a disease. Just accept it. That did not land. I needed to know. And then here's the thing when we understand, and again, especially that's why I talk about the different jobs that I gave it, you know, I use, I used alcohol as a crutch and I used it. And when we do it for those reasons, to me, I think it's just where it gains roots. It kind of digs its heels into you and understanding how addictive this substance is. And that's where this conversation can become hard because it's hard for people to look at this substance that is so weaved into our culture Whoa, and we, like it yeah. is Right. And it's just, but it's important because of what we're seeing happen and, and, and how I work with people and it's how I coach people. And it's how, it's how I broke free from it and finally feeling free. I'll never forget, you know, like doing all this work. And it was, I could kind of used her podcast as a guide. She, um, you know, just kind of the science of like, these are the jobs I gave it. Right. Mm -hmm. And yep. then I needed to do a deep dive on my own. Like, Carlin, what did it actually do? What did it look like? For example, if it really worked for you for anxiety, you would have been the calmest cat in the room. I was riddled with anxiety. 
by the right. end of that. I mean, it's riddled with very it. much I like mean, a so rebound. Like it's not actually helpful. And same with like sleeping. People are like, oh, I need it to sleep. I'm like, no, no, it might help you fall asleep. It is absolutely making your sleep cycle worse, like a thousand percent. A thousand percent. And so it was learning that. It was doing the science. And again, like you said, this rebound, I had no idea that alcohol, how it makes anxiety worse. Having that explained to me, having like someone explain and I explain it to others, like it's like our brain and it recognizes alcohol's on board, you know, and that alcohol's actually a depressant, but it's also a stimulant because our body counteracts that depressant. And, you know, and it's like, oh, we need to flood the system, you know, with the stress hormones and understanding that that's Mm -hmm. why, okay, why did I wake up with anxiety? Why do people wake up at 3 a.m. with anxiety when they're drinking? And it's because, you know, the alcohol's out of the system. And then all of a sudden you still have that where the body countered it. Learning that stuff, I couldn't get enough. Because I was like, then it, it made sense to me. Okay, this is what happened. And so it's important to look at the job that we give alcohol and then look at the truth, look at the science behind it. What does it actually do? Like you said, I, so many people believe that it helps for sleep. Um, we've been fed, like, again, marketing a lot of lies of thinking, oh, cardiovascular, red wine. When we know good and well, there is nothing good about alcohol. And now we're seeing it. And it's really rocking some people a little bit, you know, with American Cancer Society coming out, I think, yeah. was it two years ago with changing and yeah, saying very that, strong that guidelines, yeah. amount for, it was got to zero. We cannot you yeah. recommend alcohol. Um, there's no safe uh, amount anymore. That broke, there's no safe amount. Right. And that took a lot for them to, yeah. you know, be able to say that. And, um, and recently a podcast the Huberman lab, Andrew Huberman, I don't know if you watch him at all, but he did um, a podcast on alcohol. And um, I think we were all waiting for it because I'm like, he breaks these things down and he is, you know, very obviously science-based person. And it is a long podcast, but again, highly recommend it for people, especially if they like the science bit breaks it down in in such a way that he just finally said at the end, because he said, I know I'm going to upset some people. A lot of my listeners, I know that yeah. everybody's drinkers, but I, I just think that he said, if you're going to come at me with studies, you better come at me with a lot because I did a lot of research and there is no, there is nothing good that I can say, you know, about the substance and it's poison mm-hmm. and it's poison to our body. And it's a, that's just a really hard concept for people to grab. But I think it's, again, if we could just start with changing the narrative and just normalize not drinking, you yeah. know, normalize well, not drinking and having, it's like someone having to explain why they don't drink. What's something, I know we were kind of talking about living, you know, alcohol-free, which also too, like, I just want to put this out there. There is a lot of conversation and and availability and different things. Now, like, I think that also there's full-on sobriety, which for some people is absolutely necessary. And then I think there's alcohol-free living. There's, I mean, I think the term is California sober, which is like, you know, there's a million other, there's like microdosing THC Delta, you know, the Delta nine is like in all these Mm -hmm. drinks. And and it, I think it just kind of depends on, on the person. But anyway, I, I do think that is part of the stigma is like, what am I supposed to do? Because it's so socially acceptable. Like what, 
what's your encouragement for people that want to just, they want to be sober or stop drinking and they just, they're like kind of terrified socially. Right. Listen, number one, I just want to say, I get it. And doing this as long as I have now as a coach and helping people walk away from alcohol is the social component is probably the hardest for people um, initially. And I want to stress that, but the one thing that I, I, I want to say and is there's a beautiful thing that happens um, when people do stop drinking and that's what your body does. Um, we talked about this a little bit before we got on and I can't tell you cause I, I, I coach right now in the zero proof life. We have these amazing six, six week challenges. Um, and that's a beautiful place to start is just a place that you can kind of judgment free. You're not labeling, labeling anybody. You're like, I just want to try this and see what it's like. It's amazing. But what people start to share during, and I love it, it always like between Fitbits and aura rings and you name it, we can track like right. how well we're sleeping and what our body's doing. And I am telling you when people stop drinking, your body thanks you in so many ways. You just feel good. You yeah. feel good. And yeah. that is a like initial natural motivator because it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, your skin looks better. Your eyes yeah. look better. They're, I always see it in people's everything. eyes. They're, yes. I mean, it just morphs you. And again, so to me, it's it shows you exactly what's happening. And but then from there, it's just learning without any judgment of, okay, let me like social events. Norm, number one, when we stop using alcohol, we start to really lean into who we really are. I tried to make myself into so many different people. Like I quite honestly am, you know, I'm a pretty introverted person. Once I get home, there's certain things I don't I don't like certain things. And so when you stop trying to fit yourself in boxes that you don't really fit in, you realize that socializing is really easy. You know, when you're in the spaces and around people that, you know, really kind of fill your cup and you're really like really tuned into alcohol doesn't need to be there and you can Mm. leave and have that really good time. I found that I was trying to put myself in so many situations that weren't fun. So we're just like, well, how am I going to drink? I mean, yep. sorry, how am I going to do this without drinking? Not drink, yeah, you know? not drink, yeah. Yes, and, and just to be able to do that. But again, this is where it's just breaking down those beliefs and we do it one at a time. Again, there's another thing that we do very different than traditional methods is that we don't, you know, people only associate success from stopping drinking with 100% abstinence. And that is just not what it looks like. Why? Um, Why? And do you think, well, so maybe because maybe it, for some people that's their only. It's their only, it's choice, like you can only be successful. Yeah. And I think that goes back traditional methods. Like, okay, you have, you can never drink again. You can never, that's, that's it. When quite honestly, I thought it was one of the most beautiful things in the world when, you know, I've had people like I had a, um, my social media person when I first hired her for my, um, you know, work, you know, and she obviously to learn my language, she was doing my pot, listening to podcasts and reading my book and doing stuff. And, you know, she was like, Carla, I have stopped that whole five o'clock, you know, mommy reaching for a drink. It, I called myself out and I'm tired of that. I'm tired of doing that. And she made that one change 
And to me, we need to celebrate that. That's you awesome. Know? Yeah. It's just the awareness about totally. what we, how we are incorporating it. Talking with friends and they're like, oh my gosh, you're right. I don't offer a single alcohol-free beverage at my social event. I, everything's alcohol. Why do I do right. that? You know, I'm, yeah. you know, quite frankly, I don't want to have a water or a juice box. I would love something different. And it's why I typically bring my own. I want to see success in, you know, these, these shifts that we can make just to normalize. That's what I want for our kids. That's what I want for my daughter. Right. I just want to normalize that you, you don't necessarily need to have a problem in order. More and more people are sharing their story about doing it for health. They're like, oh my God, but I, I started stri- like thriving business-wise. I started thriving you know, health-wise. So yeah. I've just made the choice. To, I love it when people share that story because that helps. You don't have to be a me. I want to share yeah. my story so people can, I won't, no, I don't want anybody in my situation. Well, where but do people really, find you? So, well, we, the zero, like you want to go to my website and you can CarlaAdkids.com. And, but that's where I have the groups that I coach in and you know, with the Zero Proof Life, we have these challenges that we put on almost every other month. We have a six-week challenge going on. I also have an amazing program, Breaking Free. And that's for the people that have really been at it with trying to stop drinking and they just can't seem to get it yet. And they're just over it and they just want to be done. Breaking Free has been amazing for that. And I think a lot around that is the difference in there's failure if you drink. I personally, one, it just adds to the shame. Two, we can actually learn a lot. When someone, let's say they they do a six-week challenge and they're like, okay, and I feel great. So I'm going to try. I want to go yeah. and I'm going to drink during this. And then all of a sudden, instead of seeing that as failure, they they drink. And then again, what did you learn from it? Why did right. you reach for it? Why did you think you needed it? Instead of shaming yourself, take, you know, information from it, learn from it. And again, then people start to see for themselves, God, I felt like crap. I didn't yeah. feel good. I didn't yeah. sleep good. And so they're, they kind of, they remove for themselves that clouded judgment of what, you know, alcohol was, and then they see it for what it is. And so it's powerful when people can then just walk away for their, for their, cause they're like, wait a minute. Cause I just, I did this for me. And I, you know, I think it's important when people can do it that way and um, see alcohol for what it was and how it was actually not serving them the way yeah. that they thought that it was. Yeah. Well, gosh, thank you so much for this conversation and your vulnerability and coming on and, and I'll, I'll link everything in the show notes if anybody's looking for that. And I just, I know we have to keep talking about it and the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I just appreciate it so much. So guys, as always, if you like this episode, rate, subscribe, share it with your friends. Um, Someone in your life probably needs this. And this is how we continue to get great guests like Carla. And thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next week. Thank you for having me. 